0: Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, grab your Bibles as they're receiving that. Grab your Bibles and go with me to Exodus chapter number three, Exodus chapter number three. Exodus chapter number 3, and I've already used up a lot of my time, so I'm going to have to hurry. Exodus chapter number 3, we'll start reading with verse number 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It burned with fire, but it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here am I. He said, draw not, this is the King James, draw not nigh hither. He's saying, don't come any closer. Let me translate. Stop. Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I'm the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Jump back to verse 1 Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the middle of a bush, and he looked, and the bush burned with fire, but it wasn't consumed. I'm going to preach on the subject this morning. Nothing you've been through will be wasted. Nothing you've been through will be wasted. I'm trying to figure out if I want to keep him up here or not. I like the vibe. Can you hit me with a little? Dun, 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 dun. Can you can't do that? Too white. Okay, okay. Now we might be cooking with something. All right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a scripture over in uh, Exodus that's always been intriguing. You've heard it quoted a million times. God tells Moses, he says, just as the eagle hovers over her nest and takes care of her brood, that's how I lead the children of Israel, right? And everybody knows, everybody understands, everybody gets the picture that Eagles, I don't have to preach this, you've heard these sermons a million times, that eagles develop their nest and if for a season it is a place for you to be safe and protected and grow. But after you spend a little time growing, then they have to make it uncomfortable because what was protecting you can then turn around and begin enabling you, Right? So he says, I have to do that to Israel. I have to do that to my people. I give them a space. I give them some room to grow, to be protected, to be nurtured, to be developed. But after a while, the comfort can hurt them. Then I have to stir up the nest so they will go to the next level. That's exactly what happens in Moses' life. Moses grows up in the palace of Egypt with the best food the best facilities the best education as a matter of fact we are still studying the impact that Egyptian education has on modern society he grew up in the top of the top it was in the most comfort driven it was in the most uh the most opulent uh uh uh, uh, environment that he could possibly live until God stirred up the nest God was nurturing him at one phase and then had to kick him out the next phase. This will help you if you ever learn this lesson, that just because something quit working doesn't mean you're up under attack. Sometimes it means we're still trying to live where God used to be. Right? And God's moved on. And we're still trying to live in a nest that God has started stirring. That's what we always say when we say things like, the grace has lifted. You've heard people say that statement, the grace has lifted. What they mean is when you have a grace on you, that means the thing that you are walking through doesn't feel as heavy as it would normally feel. There are some things in your life, if you look back on them now, you think, how in God's name did I even make it through that? I'll tell you how he made it through it. There was a grace on you to carry it. But then over, over time, the grace will lift, not because the devil's coming against you, but because God is trying to stir the nest and get you to the next level. You've got to learn to quit mourning all of the people that left you because if, it, if you no longer have it, it's because you don't need it. God only removes from you the thing that you do not need. And sometimes people and sometimes places come into your life to serve for no other purpose than scaffolding. Y'all know what scaffolding is. When we got ready to plant a church, I had a great man of God tell me, he said, listen, there's going to be people that leave you. There's going to be people that come and lie to you. They're going to say, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. I'm going to run with your vision. I love you, man of God. And they're going to leave in six months. They're going to leave in three months. He said, don't even worry about that. He said, because God will send people to you, not for eternity. God will send people to you for a season to help build part of the building that you're building. And then they move on. You have to quit mourning over what you lost. Right? So often we focus on what's dead. It's like the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. When the man was beaten, your Bible says that he was left half dead. He wasn't all the way dead. There was still some life in him. You got to quit focusing on what you lost and start focusing on what's left. Because what's left is what God has sent for you to build upon. Moses is in this weird place because he's in, he's in the palace of Egypt, but he's not an Egyptian. He's a Hebrew. He's an Israelite. He's too Hebrew to be Egyptian, and he's too Egyptian to be Hebrew. So it's just kind of complicated. If I really had time, because I know some of you, and some of you told me your stories and this is a message for the people whose background is a little complicated i'm talking to people that there's part of your testimony you don't tell everybody i'm talking about when you get ready to share your story with somebody you have to censor it because some of it is not fit for human consumption am i talking to anybody in the house Moses' background was complicated. We censor it. I always, always laugh. Because you, you ever notice that when people get up, and they, like, like married couples, they'll get up and they'll laugh. We've, mar- we've been married for 50 years and everybody claps. Right? And they'll say something like this. We've been happily married for 50 years. You lying. You ain't happily nothing for 50 years. Right? You might have stuck it out. You might have been happy now. But I guarantee you through it all there was some fights and some arguing and some throwing up and having to clean up after You had to take care of grief, dying parents and rebellious kids and not enough money to pay the bills and you like we've been happily married for 4200 years. You lying. But we have to censor the testimony. Are y'all with me this morning? We have to censor the testimony. Because what we don't like to admit is that God is at work in all of us. But sometimes he doesn't work just through prayer. Sometimes he works through pain. Sometimes he works through pain. And sometimes the greatest lessons you learn is not when the iPod is playing song and you laying in the floor soaking. Sometimes the best lessons you learn is when you go through hell and back and come out on the other side and say, I know something about God that I didn't read out of a book or I didn't get from a podcast, but because God took me through something and nothing I've been through will be wasted. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. It's messing me up now. Give it up for Jansen, everybody. <laughs> I was reading this book the other day. I started this book. It's called Leadership Pain. Leadership Pain. And, well, now it died. Just, just sit on the bench and be ready to check in. Check in at the next time out. I was reading this book called Leadership Pain. In the opening part of the book, there's a story from the, a pastor that pastors the biggest church in America now. It's called Life Church. His name's Craig Rochelle. I want to say they have over 100,000 church members. So I don't remember how, 30 something campuses, just outrageous. And he's opening this book on leadership pain. He planted his church in 1996. And he said, The first year we launched our church, we were running strong 100 people. They went from 100 to 100,000 since 1996. And he said, the first year that we had our church, we launched our small group ministry. And he said, my best friend in the whole world was leading, a part, was leading our strongest small group, had over 30 people, 30 people in a church of 100. He's got a third of the church. That's like another campus, Right. He said he had a third of the people, 30 people said, but we had a disagreement theologically on something very, very important. He said, and I asked him, he was teaching this at the small group, and I asked him to quit teaching that because I thought it was dangerous. And the man told him, I'm not going to keep teaching this, and uh, this just is what it is. And they kept, they get in this conflict, friends, friends. It's one thing to confront your enemies. It's a whole other thing to confront your friends, right? And so he tells him. he says, you can't teach this anymore. And the man says, all right, then I'm going to take these 30 people and we're going to go start another church. First year, 100 people already went through a church split. Pain. Not just any church split from some rebellious, offended, crazy church person, but my best friend. Not only did I lose half my church, I lost my best friend. In the first year, there are things that God produces in you through situations like that that you don't get any other way. You don't get it any other way. There are some things you figure out about you and some things that you figure out about God that you cannot get from a YouTube video. Through pain, through suffering, through turmoil. And that's exactly where we find Moses in Exodus chapter number three. Moses has been a prince of Egypt and now God has sent him to the desert. Can you imagine the humbling process that he had to go through? I used to sit in the palace and now I'm out here shoveling sheep dung for my father-in-law. Because sometimes, whenever you get taken out of your element, you have to learn to humble yourself again. Because the expertise you have in one place doesn't automatically translate into another place. I could get on this all night, but I'm not going to. Because I have people come to the church and say, well, I was a youth pastor at my church previously. And I think I could be, the previous church had 20 people in it. And we're not there, and we're not trying to stay there. And if you would humble yourself and be teachable, then we could grow you. But if you think that the same thinking that you had in the palace is going to work in this next level that God has for you, you don't understand how God works. The greatest thing you can do when God starts taking you through something is humble yourself enough to learn the lesson. Because the quicker you learn the lesson, the quicker you get to pass the test and move on. You with me? It would do us all good, myself included, to embrace the notion, to wrap our arms around this idea and hug it dearly that we don't know as much as we think we do. Maybe we're not as awesome as we perceive ourselves to be. Maybe we're not as just phenomenal as we tell our Instagram, as we tell the gram fam that we are. That's what the cool kids call it the gram it's helpful having a middle schooler because you get to get in all the stuff and then when I try to replicate it they're like oh god you're going you gonna to have to calm that down because they say I can't I, I don't stand that that's a whole new phrase y'all don't even know what that means I can't. y'all don't even know what that means either right that's what I thought. See, I know all this stuff. Y'all know what a visco girl is? With their hydro flask? I had to go buy a $90 water bottle for my 12-year-old to be cool. To make matters worse, it's the second one I bought her because she lost the first one. We're about, to, we're about to violate some child labor laws at my house. Moses, you are the prince and now you're in the wilderness shoveling dung. I had somebody tell me one time when we moved up here to Knoxville because we came from the ramp and making good money and getting to preach all over the world and getting to try and do all this stuff and be on TV and you, people know you and people recognize you in airports and they recognize you in restaurants and in malls and all this stuff. And, and then you come to Knoxville and you're by yourself and I had somebody tell me, they said, boy, life sure has changed for you since then, hadn't it? Sometimes when God takes you through something, it feels like you went from the palace to the wilderness. What do you do? When you're in the palace, now you're in the wilderness. And you don't know how to function in the wilderness. You've never been here yet. God has put you in a situation that is over your head. I used to th- I've to i told you this before. I used to think that God would never ask you to do something you couldn't do. Tell the world, that's stupid. He always puts you in situations where you do not know what to do. Well, oh, He wouldn't put something on. He wouldn't ask me to do something. This yes, he would. He asked a dead man to get up. He asked a lame man to walk. God develops you by putting you in situations too deep for you. And then says, swim. I grew, I grew up, I told you in the backwoods, And, you know, I grew up with, like, literally with the stories, you know, of my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents up the hill both ways in the snow, barefoot on the way to school. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I hear my grandparents grow up saying, well, if I had done that when I was a kid, they would have just drugged me outside and beat me with a bait. I'm like, my God, y'all abusing kids like that back in the day, the way you talk about it. They'd drag you out, just beat me, just, just beat me to a bloody, but that's what they would say. And they would always tell me this. They would say, "When we were kids, the way we learned how to swim is our parents just picked us up and threw us in the water." <laughs> and they're saying that like in a suggestion. So maybe with Asher, you know he is three now. See so <laughs> I said, "Well, what happened?" They said, "Well, I'm still here. I learned to swim. Because you don't learn to swim when you're in water around your ankles. And the moment you feel like you have mastered this phase, God takes you into another one to keep you dependent upon him. Okay? So now, Moses, you know what it's like to live in the palace. Now I've got to send you to the backside of the desert where you're going to be in an environment you know nothing about. You're going to be doing things you don't have the skills for or you don't have the knowledge for. And now you're going to have to rely on me to lead you. And you know, Moses has got to be asking, how did I fall this far? Because sometimes when you are going through something, it can make you feel like a failure. Where did I blow it? Where did I miss it? I had a, I had a I had a dear couple come to me this week who their their daughter they're a wonderful godly Christian couple they love God they serve God they've been they've been they've been the paragons of Christian life they're just excellent human beings and their daughters just went off the deep end and she's she's rebelled against them and they've she's rebelled against everything they've come up this is the first thing they say where did we miss it where did we go wrong. Because oftentimes when we go through stuff, we have to pin the failure on ourselves. Maybe it's not a failure. Maybe it's a classroom. Maybe what you're going through is not a failure. Maybe it's a classroom where God wants to teach you something that you don't know yet. Moses. Maybe you did not fall from grace. Maybe God is preparing you to launch you into the next season. So now Moses is in the desert learning how to tend to sheep. Learning how to feed sheep. Learning how to navigate the terrain. Why God are you taking Moses through the wilderness? And only God knows that I'm going to have Moses take another sheepfold through the wilderness. But it's not going to be a sheep. Uh, it's not going to be a sheepfold full of sheep. It's going to be a sheepfold full of my people. But I've got to take him through this first in order to qualify him to lead somebody else through it what you're going through right now is God's curriculum to prepare you to be used in somebody else's life you cannot lead people through something that you've never been through yourself. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care if you've got more degrees than a thermometer. Unless you have felt the sting of the pain of what it's like to lose something and to hurt and to be broken, you can't speak to somebody else's stuff. You can't talk about, you can't help somebody going through a divorce. If you ain't felt the sting of it yet, because you've been happily married for 50 years. Right? I always feel like when dealing with people that have lost children, I always feel inadequate. Because I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I will sit here and I will listen to you and, and you can cry and talk out of your head because it happens. And I will be more than willing to just sit here and be awkward with you if that's what you need. Because sometimes that's all people need. You ever been, you ever been, see, I'm talking about life. I ain't talking about cute church. I'm talking about when life hits the fan and everything falls apart and people don't know where to turn or what to believe. They don't even know what they think. They don't even know where they stand. They don't even know what they believe. And you just got to sit there and say, I know that's all I got. I know I'm supposed to be the man of God with all the answers and I can throw some Bible verses at you about heaven. I always feel inadequate because I've not walked that journey. So Moses, the reason, oh god the reason God has sent you to the wilderness is because this is not gonna be your only trip through it. And God's got to do it in you before he can help you lead them through what he's going to do in them. Let me say that again. God's got to take you through it before he can empower you to lead them through it. That's why nothing you've been through will be wasted because everything that God is taking you through, he is doing nothing but building your arsenal. He's doing nothing but building your weapons of how you can turn around and help somebody else. That's why he's taking you through all of the pain and the turmoil. It's not because you failed. It's because he's developing you into who he wants you to be. We could look at Moses journeyed through the desert, his first journey through the desert as his failure for killing an Egyptian. Or we can look at it as Moses enrolling in God's university while God trains a pastor. It's all in how you see it. Right? All of the pain, all of the frustration all of the trauma, you will come back to you and you will be able to use it. Everybody loves Dave Ramsey, right? Dave Ramsey, baby steps. If you listen to his story, he went bankrupt at some age, young, lost everything, driving a Jaguar, couldn't afford to put gas in it, lost everything, hit rock bottom. Turned around and turned his pain into power. Because what the enemy means for evil, God turns around and uses it for your good. And you have to learn. Let me see if I should say this or not. Oh. Come yeah. on, praise God. I hear you, Brother Dwayne. I'll, I'll say it like this. Some of y'all, I've never really told the story. Maybe you've read Lindsay's book. I don't know. If you haven't, you need to get it. Some of you know about the situation our family went through several years ago. Where Lindsay, my wife, who was at home with our sick son this morning. Where Lindsay, my wife, there was a switch in her brain that flipped off. She became a different human. She left me, left our family, left the ministry, left everything. Just went down a prodigal journey unlike anything I'd ever seen you ever had people in your life that you love that you know that you just you you know them that they become a different human you're like there's an alien trapped inside my loved one's body I do not recognize this person you don't even sound the same y'all know what I'm talking about Like when you speak, it sounds different. Your eyes, when I looked into the depths of your eyes, it don't even look like the same person. The lights are on, but nobody's home. That's what it was like. It was, I see Lindsay's Lindsay's features, but this ain't her. I've never met this person. She goes down this prodigal journey, right? Long story short, it's the most hellacious two years of my life. You never know how it's going to end. Because so many times when you're going through something, it just feels like you're sitting in a hospital waiting room, and the situation's on life support, and you don't know. And if you've ever been in a hospital waiting room, the doctor is not at all in a hurry to come out and give you updates, right? And I've been sitting in the waiting room of my marriage, and the doctor has not given me any updates I need, I need some help here. I need some reassurance. I need some confirmation that you're still going to do it. Crickets. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing. Yeah. Long story short, she has an encounter with God. She comes back home. Marriage is restored. It's beautiful. It's awesome. You need to read her book. She's a phenomenal writer. It's excellent. However, I knew because during that season, because my wife had went that, that way, there were people that used to be my friends that wouldn't talk to me anymore because I was going through something. Don't get me started. I feel the Tabascos. They used to have me preach at all their conferences and all their events, and I would go there two, three, and four times a year, and now crickets because you're going through something. Right? When you're going through something, turn around and look and see who's standing there beside you because when God starts blessing you, they'll be the same people standing there beside you. And so I remember thinking, well, this is going to be a black eye on my ministry. I didn't do anything wrong at all. But this is, is going to be a black eye. This is going to be a stain on me, right? It was on Google. You could Google it, Casey Doss Divorce, because my wife followed. You could Google it, and then you just read this stuff. You're like, oh, God, they don't know. These are, people are idiots, it, I shouldn't say that. I repent. These people are uninformed. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I'm a pastor. <laughs> you lucky, that's all I said. <laughs> Glory to God. I thought you were a man of God. I am a man of God. Emphasis on the word man. And so I thought this is gonna be a stain against us. We're going to spend the rest of our life fighting this stigma. Then God calls us to go to Knoxville and launch a church. I think this is going to be fantastic because you can Google it. It's going to be fun trying to launch, then trying to explain to everybody. Now I read something on this website and God knows everything you read on the internet is true. If it's on Wikipedia, it's facts. That's so I love to pick on these. Man, I got to. <laughs> I love to pick on these Wikipedia Bible scholars online, right? They read an article on John Calvin. Now they're Calvinist. Never read anything John Calvin wrote, but they read about him, That's good. right? So it's the same. So I thought, this is great. This is fantastic. I'm going to have to fight this. I'm going to have to explain to everybody what happened. And I cannot tell you since the day we launched how many people have come to our church for one reason and one reason only. They say this. They say, I heard your story and you gave me hope. They didn't say, I heard your story, and now I don't think you're qualified to lead. They said, I heard your story, and I saw you come through it. Maybe you can help me get through some stuff. We turned our pain into power, and everything you're going through, God's going to use every single bit of it. Do you hear what I'm telling you this morning? We get we get messages. I am not exaggerating. That was she came home four, three, four years ago. I don't remember. She came home years ago, and we still get messages every single week with no exceptions. Emails, people sliding into my DMs every single week, talking about I'm going throughout pastors and leaders, people that have stood on some of the biggest platforms in the world that have said. I'm going through the same thing. Do you have any hope you can give me? Yeah, I've got some hope I can give you because God took me to the desert for this one purpose. So I would have a weapon in my hand to help you fight that devil that you're trying to fight. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why you're going through what you're going through. Jansen, come back up. Check in. I made a mistake letting you sit down. I apologize. That's why you're going through what you're going through. Because God's trying to equip you to transform somebody else's life. Your Bible says Moses is walking down the desert in a bush. Listen to this, catch this, and I'm going to let you go. There's a bush burning. this river there's a bush burning there's a fire and out of the bush comes a voice you go tell Pharaoh let my people go watch there was a fire and out of the fire was his destiny your destiny is locked up in The fire that you're going through, the test that you're going through, the trial that you're going through. You have to pay attention. Al sent me this the other day. Brother Al sent me this the other day. Apostle Ron Carpenter saying, you have to pay attention to the areas where the enemy attacks you the most. Because that's where you can be the most equipped to help somebody else. I can't help somebody that's lost a child. I don't know. But somebody whose marriage is hurting, come here, let me talk to you. Because I've done been through this before and I know exactly how you feel and I can tell you precisely what to do to break the back of this enemy off of your life because nothing I went through is going to be wasted and nothing you're going through is going to be wasted inside that fire that you're going through. That's where your destiny's located. People always want to know, what's God calling me to do? I don't know. Look at the hell you're going through. What's God calling me to do? What's God calling me to do? You want to sing? But you had a miscarriage? Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe he's empowering you through your pain to help heal somebody else. Because nothing you've been through will be wasted. want to plant a church but you can't pay your bills maybe you're not called to plant a church yet maybe you're called to help somebody else who is in bondage financially find some hope because nothing you've been through will be wasted now I don't know about you I'm thankful 2019 for the most part was a great year for myself our family personally there have been some years where I've thought December 31st Thank God that's over because that was 12 months of pure hell. Man. I need to come up with something snappy, right? 2020 What's well, something that rhymes with 20. I don't know how I work on it, right? Heaven in 2011. Then you go through 2011. You're like, oh, y'all lied bunch of false prophets running around here talking about open heaven 2011. (laughs) You must have lost your mind. Nothing you've been through will be wasted. But your destiny is found in the fire you're going through. you just got to learn to see it, not as your failure, but as your training. Those difficulties are not because you made poor choices. Those difficulties are because that's part of your curriculum. As God makes you into who he wants you to be. Y'all with me this morning? Stand up on your feet. glory. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Begin to talk to him. Father, thank you for encouragement in the midst of pain. Thank you for direction in the midst of brokenness. Thank you that even if we're passing through a fire, there's a voice in the fire. There's a voice in the burning bush. Saying, I know you're going through it, but this is holy ground. I know know the fire's hot, but it's holy because it's purifying and he's sanctifying us and he's cleansing us. And nothing you're going through will be wasted. So Father, every test, every trial, every circumstance, every hard place, use it for your glory. Let it shape us. Let the complicated things shape us. Let the test and the trial. Some of you you've got he- you've got he- you've had a heaviness on you this year. You've had stress. I and mean, then sometimes you carry it well, and sometimes. You don't carry it well at all. Sometimes you're on top of the mountain, and sometimes the mountain's on top of you. I'm talking to you this morning, and I'm trying to tell you nothing you've been through will be wasted. And I want to tell somebody else you're not a failure, you're not doing it wrong. There's not something wrong with you, you're not flawed. You're just in training. You're not, you've not made a mistake. You're just in school, honey. And you're taking a test. And nothing you've been through will be wasted. Lift those hands up to me and sing this one more time. Sing it as you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit Give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.